0: Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpey and Peter Torpey. Hello, I'm
1: Nancy. And I'm Pete. This week, we'll be talking about radio reading services and what they can offer for people with limited vision and also for people who have difficulty reading print for various other reasons.
2: Advances in technology and distribution methods have dramatically impacted how traditional radio reading services deliver content. We'll speak with David Dawson, Executive Director of the Audio Information Network of Colorado, about the services that they and many other audio information services deliver. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from David.
3: One of the biggest things is that if you're already utilizing an audio information service of any kind, uh, whether they call themselves a radio reading service or, or, as we do, an audio information service, if you're using the service and you know of others who could benefit from the service, you should get them in touch with the local provider of that audio information and get them signed up. There are lots of people who have close friends and acquaintances who are losing their eyesight for whatever reason, who don't know about these kinds of of programs. And unfortunately, there's always a lot of assuming that people are knowledgeable about the kinds of services that are available for blind people, and they just simply are not. So if you know of someone, refer them to the local uh, service provider and get them in touch.
1: And as we mentioned in the introduction, these services are not only for people with visual limitations, but also if you have difficulty turning a page or dyslexia or any number of reading difficulties or things that prevent you from reading printed material, you might just be eligible for these services.
2: And you'll be really impressed by the wide variety of content that they carry.
1: And it's all free.
2: Let's start by meeting David.
3: I'm David Dawson, and I'm the executive director and founder of the Audio Information Network of Colorado.
2: How long ago was that?
3: We started our 28th year in January.
2: Congratulations.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, survival is always congratulatory with not-for-profit organizations, no matter how you call it. So it's been a long run and a good one. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty pleased with our progress and the impact now that we're having in the state to be able to provide our constituents with news and information that is very much helpful in daily life.
2: Most of our listeners and most of your listeners have visual impairments. Do you?
3: Yes, I'm blind. Uh huh. So we always make it a point to try to employ blind people who Uh, Of course, there has to be some some qualifications met and something that they will offer the organization in terms of their talents and skills, but uh, very much uh, put hiring blind people on the top of our priority list. The one thing that we do around here is that that we work hard to present a very positive image about blindness. We want the modeling of blindness to be very positive, very upfront, not aggressive, not uh, hostile but we also don't want to be treated like second-class citizens. So we really want to make sure that we do as much as we can to change the uh, image of blindness, and that of our volunteers, of course, uh, observe that, and and they adhere to that very closely. So it's a a very nice environment, uh, and uh, we want to keep it that way.
0: You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 This week's focus
2: topic is the services provided by Audio Information Services in general and the Audio Information Network of Colorado in particular.
1: So this is quite an organization you have here now, and you said you started this some number of years ago. What was the inception for that? What was changing at the time, and how did you get into this?
3: Well, the primary impetus As as far as change is concerned, I retired from the job that I had previously with the federal government, and uh, I really needed something to do that both interested me and uh, could be of service. Uh, Colorado did not have an audio information network uh, of any kind for blind, visually impaired, and print-disabled people, so I thought that might be a good thing to at least look into and... Just it got started and uh, took off, and and as things are wont to do, it took on a life of its own. So, at a certain point, when things really get going that way, you just kind of hang on to the saddle horn and and hope to stay on the <laughs> on the horse, and in this case, the organization. So,
2: many of the people listening to this show are listening on their local radio reading service or audio information network, but Mm -hmm. many of our listeners get it directly as a podcast or through a streaming service. Can you describe what the mission of a radio reading service or audio information service is?
3: Well, our mission is to provide uh, audio information for uh, blind, visually impaired, and uh, print-disabled Coloradans, a pretty simple mission statement. The audio information aspect of it, of course, covers the gamut of newspapers and magazines and program content that we uh, produce here on-site through our volunteer readers. We have about uh, 230 volunteer readers at the present time. Many of their programs, uh, they put together themselves. We provide the print materials. We provide the atmosphere and and the place for them to put it together. If someone, for example, is doing a gardening show for Colorado, then they can find enough resources here or we can get additional resources for them. And it's just one idea. You know, we have health and nutrition shows and we have uh, exercise programs. We have uh, a young woman who does a program for us in uh, yoga. And, you know, it's just all kinds of different things. We try to maintain uh, a good, positive span of information that kind of covers what would be good information for a sighted person. But we try to touch on, just generally speaking, almost about any subject area that would be both informational and of interest uh, to our, our listener constituents.
1: Radio reading services really provide a very special resource for people who are print impaired or who have reading difficulties and a lot of the equipment that people can use to listen to these services is proprietary or kind of special in nature you can't just listen to this on any radio and i was wondering if you could give people an overview of why that is i mean i think it has to do with copyright laws and reading copyrighted material from newspapers and magazines and just to give people a flavor of that i think would be good
3: the copyright law as as it was amended in the 1990s really is very broad based that is Basically, this is a simplification, but as long as uh, the programs and and the contents of those programs uh, are produced generally for the use of blind, visually impaired, and print-disabled people, then that's the criteria, and you meet the copyright laws. It used to be, before that, that we needed to come up with a proprietary method to make sure that the listening audience was limited to blind, visually impaired, uh, and disabled people.
1: Got it. So that was a big change and a very positive change change. for access by Yeah.
3: And, you know, it was also in a way kind of to accommodate... There's a radio station uh, down in New Orleans, Peter, that you guys may know about it, that's open-air open broadcast. And they're, they're an information service for blind and visually impaired people. They're within the copyright laws. They're doing exactly the same things. They're reading newspapers and doing uh, program content from magazines, that kind of thing. And they're not having any problems at all.
1: Things have changed quite a bit over the years, and that's one of the changes that has happened. What other changes have you seen over the time that you've been running these radio reading services?
3: In 28 years, we've gone from uh, recording on reel-to-reel tape recorders and then going into computer recording equipment. And in the early days, even of the computers, they weren't able to handle the capacity of audio recording because it takes up so many megabytes. Uh, you know, it's easy for a, an audio program to take up, you know, 75 to 100 megabytes of, of data space. And, you know, I say, quote, in the old days, unquote, which ain't all that long ago, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, you know, you couldn't put many audio programs on a hard drive, and it was it was jammed full. And I can remember that we thought it was a, a big thing when we got up to um, two hard drives going as one. And I think that got us up to 16 megabytes, I think. <laughs> and that was really quite a deal in those early computers. But, you know, it's, it, it's a thing that has changed with technology. Within about a year and a half, we went from the reel-to-reel tape recorders to the point we couldn't even buy reel-to-reel tape anymore. Mm-hmm. 3M stopped making it, Fuji stopped making it, and it just wasn't available. So we went to computers, because we're running we're running computers back in the control room that have two terabyte hard drives that are running as mirrors. They image each other, and uh, that is what our programs are fed into so that we don't run out of space.
2: When you started this radio reading service back in the real-to-real real days, and mm-hmm. it was a decidedly analog world, did you ever expect you'd need to learn this much about computers?
3: Computers in the very early 1990s were still a uncommon thing. They weren't on everybody's desktop by any means, and that began to come along as the 90s progressed, more and more interest in desktop computers and especially PCs. But I had no idea that it was going to go as fast as it's gone. And that, of course, has also led to the things you were talking about, Peter, when we were talking about the Echo products and the Google products that have come out now. I guess they're calling them smart speakers. But we've been up on Echo for well over a year now. And now uh we just we just started fooling around with the google product and we you know we're up on that now too and of course it's open source so you know anybody that knows how to bring it up on the device can listen to us generally speaking we don't put the echoes out in people's homes if we have someone who's a senior citizen uh who has real difficulty even with punching the buttons on a, an internet radio we now can offer them Uh, the Echo product or the Google product it's driven by your voice Mm -hmm. and they can handle that pretty easily as long as they're not you know thinking it's just too weird to deal with you know (laughs) and and you know it's just it can be interesting sometimes
1: so I was wondering, these days, information seems to be a lot more accessible to the visually impaired and a lot more easily accessible to the visually impaired. I mean, you know, we can now use our screen readers to read newspaper articles on the web, stream podcasts or smart devices. And I'm wondering what you expect Radio Reading Service's role to be in the future, considering all these changes, and where are you progressing to?
3: I don't know that, uh, you know, technology is just what it is. And the accessibility, uh, for me and from my perspective, is always questionable for blind people because, for example, if you try to read a newspaper on the internet, it's always a challenge even to download it in, onto a computer that our volunteers use to read it, to record it. And the problem is that newspapers are often changing their formatted websites as often as, oh gosh, we we run into four or five times a year. So what that means is you go up on a website last week and you're able to read it just fine. Next week it won't even come up because they've changed the format. For blind people using screen readers, you talk about something that absolutely drive you nuts, is trying to read a newspaper on a computer monitor with a screen reader. And you say, why am I doing this to myself? You know? It's god awful. It just it doesn't work.
2: So Pete, so. you pretty much finessed that problem by getting your news from the NFB newsline service. True. True. But then you have to be
1: more facile with some of these other smart devices and, and all. But I can appreciate what you're saying about reading these um, newspapers and magazines on the internet. I mean, I'm pretty facile with computers, but it's a nuisance. There's a lot of garbage in between right. the articles. While you're reading the articles, you're interrupted with little notices that you can't easily avoid mm-hmm. with your speech synthesizer. So it's it can be frustrating.
3: I would much rather just you know sit down and and listen to somebody read it. I mean it's doable mm-hmm. but you've still got all the other problems with newspapers uh generally speaking. We're lucky enough that newspapers donate mm-hmm. the e editions to us just like they used to donate the print editions to us. One of the things peter, that is really kind of a a, a real I believe, mistake on the part of, even blind people make the mistake of believing that technology makes up all of the losses, if you will, from not being able to read all of the print that's around. However, you know, it it really isn't that way because technology isn't the end all. Technology, of course, is a tool that we can use to get things better, and there's no doubt that our access to print materials is significantly enhanced, and the whole horizon is broadened by what's available. There's no doubt about that either. The thing that always frustrates me, and I think maybe the same for a lot of blind people, first of all, technology. I didn't grow up with it. Uh, you know, as my kids tease me about, Dad, did they have electricity when you grew up? You know, well, yes, they did. But the the, the technology is really pretty new. So, you know, I still struggle with the frustration of it. I go up on the Internet as a last resort. The things that get in the way of having a good, a good clean access, all kinds of stuff pops up. You, and you guys were talking about this, too, just a little bit ago. There's all kinds of things that fly up on the screen that messes up the screen reader. And, yeah, you can eliminate some of that, but you're still stuck with the stuff that's on the, on the screen that you can't get rid of what do they call those the flying pennants and all of this stuff that flashes around and so on you can eliminate some of that yeah at the same time you've got that interference also the way things listed on websites for blind people is that they're basically they're linear it starts at the top it goes to the bottom and if you're lucky, you know, it goes it, in order. If you're lucky. And then there's stuff on the side that may or may not be included in that, that linear display. Uh, so, you know, you're not sure you're getting everything. You know, it's very frustrating. There's meeting. always some issue. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and that doesn't mean that it's not good. It just means that it's not the end all. I think a blind person, to be truly successful in getting the information, you have to use everything. And that means Braille, that means technology, that means reading services. In many instances, I have to have one of my staff members come in and read for me. So I have another question. Sure. It obviously takes a lot to
1: keep these services running, and you have a, you know, very good staff here and have to put out all these broadcasts every day and every week. Where does the support for many radio reading services come from? How is this all funded?
3: Uh, financial support comes from just about any, any, any way you can get it, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you get the money as you can. Uh, jurisdictional contracts, uh, all kinds of different foundations and trust funds. There are a lot of trust funds available through banks who handle trust funds for people that are specifically designated uh, for the blind. You know, any kind of of an audio information uh, service should be scouring their area for any kind of financial support that's available to them. And sometimes you have to be creative and talk to people. Uh, Programs that are funded, for example, by cities and counties and even the state that you would think would not be necessarily something that would be in the bailiwick of a, of an audio information service. It certainly is if you think about the service area of it. Seventy mm-hmm. percent of all blind people are senior citizens, 60 and older. At this point in time, and I, and I'm sure it's going to be changing, but the balance of that citizenry, who are senior citizens, not only don't have anything to do with technology... But if they did, when they went blind as a senior, they get too uptight about touching anything that they don't even want to operate a radio knob. So you have to kind of deal with the simplicity of that approach and try to educate them as it goes about the future of where you are as a reading service, whatever kinds of devices and equipment you're using to get the uh, signal into people's homes, and also work with the simplicity of it Our digital receiver, for example, that is used to pull in our signal off of Rocky Mountain PBS throughout Colorado has one knob on the front, and that's the on-off and volume control. The unit itself is preset to pick up the signal off of that local area channel.
2: What other methods are available for people to receive your content?
3: We have two different kinds of, of telephone access systems we have internet and we have the broadcasts of Rocky Mountain PBS and we combine all of that to provide services to our listeners and in some cases you know if people uh, lots and lots of cell phones and use these days if it's a cell phone user they can use the TuneIn app to find us right on TuneIn and you mentioned NFB newsline a while ago and we have a similar system uh, in Colorado NFB Newsline provides national and international news and and newspapers, uh, and we provide Colorado information. We have over 100 Colorado-published and produced newspapers that we broadcast, either on a daily or a weekly basis. And it's different for different sections of the state. We're lucky we've got Rocky Mountain PBS helping us, and that's the way it's always been since we went on the air in 1991. It's a real advance to have, obviously, the Internet access. And we've had the telephone access for many, many years. Our information on demand system, as we call it, is uh, very similar to Newsline. You go on that system, you put in your codes, and then you, you select the publications you want to listen to. And then we have the other phone system, which allows you to listen to the live broadcast over the phone. And you go in and you select what region you want to listen to. And to my knowledge, we are the only organization that does what we do that has a 24 hour a day, seven day a week Spanish language broadcast. The same kinds of materials.
2: Colorado actually has a fairly large Spanish speaking population, but it is not the only state for which that is true. Can people from Arizona, New Mexico, California, anywhere else in the country get into your system and listen if they so choose? Yeah, that-
3: they certainly can. And that involves the internet. Uh, and They need to work with us on getting a uh, kind of a password kind of approach. But that's just basically so we know what the usage is. Mm-hmm. We have counters and so on, on the on the websites and Uh, to really narrow it down so we know kind of what's being broadcast where and who's using it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, but it's up. I mean, the internet, you know, uh, Nancy is really kind of wide open. And we're not trying to restrict usage by any means. Uh, I think we ought to be out doing the best that we can to serve everybody we can. We've had listeners in Australia and New Zealand. We've had listeners, uh, we've got a very regular listener down in, in Mississippi, somewhere out in the in the outback, who calls occasionally to say, Wow, that program on yada da yada da was really terrific, and I really enjoy your service, and so on and so forth. Same with readers. We've got readers all over the state of Colorado who we call them remote readers, and they read on either their computer at home, mm-hmm. and then when they finish their program, they send it to us over the internet, or uh, we now have people recording on their iPhones. And doing the same, they they send it to us over the internet. But we also have readers in Oregon, and we had a, a man who was working with the uh, National Weather Service uh, who left us, in terms of living in Colorado, moved to Greenland. He was there for a while. He moved from there to New Zealand for a while. Kept reading for us the whole time. <laughs> so just, it's just terrific, you know. We've we've got we have a reader in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We have two or three readers in Texas. They're people who were actually started out here and they relocated for whatever reason, but they really enjoy working for the Audio Information Service in terms of providing. Uh, the programs, and we love having them do them for us. And they're they're just terrific people.
2: And, of course, on our way out the door, David asked me if I wanted to become a reader for the Audio Information Network of Colorado. Now, for this week's final item, how you can learn more about the Audio Information Network of Colorado, about the similar service close to you, and about audio information services in general.
1: So if people want to find out more about your services or radio reading services in general, or they want to get one of your pieces of equipment or log into your phone service, where would you send them?
3: Well, we have two websites. The aincolorado.org website is the English one. The Spanish one is Spanish.org And they can go up there and check us out either way. And also there are links. If you go up on the English website, there's a link right on there that says, do you want to see the Spanish website? And it'll take you over to it. And they're very interchangeable that way. So that's one way. The other way is they're always welcome to send us an email to AINC at AINColorado.org.
2: Do you have a social media presence?
3: Yes, on Facebook.
2: What's your phone number if anybody has a question?
3: Well, the toll-free number is uh, 877-443-2001, and the uh, local number is... And in the Denver metro area and and along the front range is 303-786-7777.
1: And how about for people who don't live in Colorado? These services are available all over the place. How would you advise them finding their local station to get in contact with?
3: Well, if they call us, we can tell them because we keep a directory of the other radio reading services and information services in the U.S.,
2: And that was a very generous offer of David to help anybody find a radio reading service in their neighborhood. Another way of doing that is to go to the website of the International Association of Audio Information Services, and they are at www.iaais.org. So we encourage people to sign up, and if you have any trouble
1: reading print at all for any reason you are probably eligible. And if you're looking for any of that contact information, it'll all be available in the show notes associated with this episode
2: at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 1817. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll get a behind-the-scenes tour of the Audio Information Network of Colorado. And we'll get to see how they do their work, how they distribute their material, meet some of the staff, and learn what it takes to make these services available to people with print disabilities. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094.